Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. We just have a good rhythm together, you know. He sort of feels me out, I feel him out. And uh, we go for it. Hello and welcome to the third episode of the fourth season of The Worst Idea of All Time. My name is Tim Bat, And my name is Guy Montgomery. Uh, a pleasure to have you with us and a pleasure to be with you. Tim, uh, how are pleasure you? Pleasure is a big word. Uh, pretty good. Pretty good. Just trying to measure that lag that we're dealing with today, Guy, so I can adjust my vocal cadence accordingly. Over. Love that strategy, brother. Uh, oh, a use of over. That doesn't bode mm. well. Um, yeah, look, so obviously uh, we're still, you know, oceans and large amounts of land apart. Myself in uh, Brooklyn, New York City. Tim, uh, presumptively in Auckland, New Zealand. You got that right. And Brooklyn features heavily in this here film, Sex in the City, the movie. Is that what it's called or is it just called Sex in the City? A question as old as time, and one I refuse to do the research to answer. Um, yeah, fair enough. Brooklyn, yeah, it's sort of used as a almost a punchline, but you've got to be so bougie, I think, at this point, for Brooklyn to truly qualify as a punchline, even in 2008. And bougie is something that these women truly are. Yeah, it's uh, quite staggering how bougie they are. But before we get on to that, mate, I want to I wanna check in with you. Um I want to share something with you as well. I've just been trying to dabble with alternatives to uh, cow's milk, and I'm here to report almond milk, no substitute for a coffee. I'll tell you that. Oh, no. Have you just found this out uh, moments ago? Moments ago. I'm sort of finding it out right now, in a way. Uh, You'd be gutted. A lot of people here uh, have an oat milk. I haven't tried it myself, but yeah, they've, they've they've gone to the oat. I wonder if it steams up all right, because I've got this lovely uh, coffee machine um, oh. gifted to my by my father-in-law to me, but the, the, the bloody almond milk doesn't steam up well at all. It tastes kind I, of bitter and dry. As I recall uh, from my days of being so incompetent as a barista that I was uh, bumped to the till, where I feel like my natural skill set really shone through, uh, any milks that aren't of the cow or dairy... Mm. Uh, famously more challenging to, to steam. So it might just be a little trial and error situation you got yourself there. I do remember lamenting anyone who ordered soy uh, f- during my brief high school stint at Starbucks. I remember that um, <laughs> learning that lesson hard. But maybe I'll return at, to the soy. Give it another go. Man, you, uh, you really hit your top shelf, um, you know, commercial Early. chains during high school. Pete McDonald's Early. and Starbucks is a beefy fucking resume dude do you know what was so good about that i was at mcdonald's and then transitioned over to starbucks which was i don't need to tell you you you've already you're hot wise to it a huge step up in the high school career game and the thing about starbucks in new zealand is it's owned by this conglomerate which also owns kfc and pizza hut so if you're an employee of either three of those chains, you get a 20% staff discount at all three outlets. It was a true game changer. Oh, man. 
How did because I, I I remember that you you've spoken uh, relatively speaking highly of the McDonald's work experience and the infrastructure they have to help uh, employees you know uh, climb the the professional ladder. How did Starbucks st- stack up against that experience? I had a good boss at Starbucks. We had a great manager, Charlene, um, in the in the Jayville Starbucks. She was a bloody gem. And what they, were her strengths? Culture, big on corporate culture, making sure we knew the Starbucks way, um, living the brand, you know, every cup an opportunity to impress, every espresso <laughs> a chance to shine. That is madness. Imagine, like, imagine genuinely trying to instill in your employees the belief that every cup is an opportunity to impress. It's, you, That's you, why you got to like, get 16 year olds. It's like what the Catholic Church do. You got to get them young so they're impressionable. Yeah, as a sixteen-year-old, did you, you you truly? I guess yeah. Your first time working, you buy into whatever work culture there is. You know, well, this is how it is now. Every cup, an opportunity <laughs> to impress. There's just so much pressure. How many coffees are you cracking out a day? And you're treating everyone as a new opportunity. Yeah, well, it is. It's a, it's a great way to live life. It's high pressure. Everything is as high stakes as everything else the bar is consistently way above your head so there's a lot of room for error there there's a long way to fall but it's exciting it makes life very exciting do you know the reason i started working there guy is i was was trying to hustle my way into starbucks because there was this really gorgeous girl at high school who worked there um who i had a crush on and then i got the job and i was like fuck yes and then i found out i took her job because she quit i was like ah dang it that is, uh, that is, that's actually quite a, a, a good little, neat little moment that uh, the universe mm. served you up there. The lesson being, uh, Every you know, an opportunity. By the time you think that it's uh, time to work at Starbucks, you're probably a month too late. <laughs> What's the greater extrapolation of that to one's life, guy? Uh, well. It's pretty much like, I mean, that particular ethos would suggest that you'll never be satisfied or make the right decision because any time yeah. something occurs to you, uh, it should have been done a month ago. So, Fuck, grim. Yeah, that is pretty grim. I, I, I don't retract it, but I, I take it back. I noticed we haven't spoken uh, one moment about the movie so far. How do you find we'll it? We'll get to it. We're going to watch it so many times, man. Yeah, I didn't watch this movie a lot of times. The the spectre of having to come home and watch this movie hung over my entire day. Uh, it wasn't a See, wake up, get it out of the way sort of situation. It was like, I know that I have to do this. I can only do this in the moments immediately preceding the record. Uh, and that was that in and of itself was uh it's not a it's not a enjoyable cloud to look up and see in the skies above. Making it slightly worse, however, when I arrived home. I've got a very finicky key to the second door uh, to my uh, apartment building, and uh, I just could not, for the life of me, make this key work. So I very sweatily, dejectedly, and angrily uh, sat in the stairwell, and uh, it's not quite a foyer, it's more like a holding pen between the the second door and the first door to my apartment building, uh, just baking like a potato, watching Sex in the City. Uh, and. <laughs> I was like, and then every intermittently while the movie was playing, I'd stand up and try my luck again with the keys. Uh, four times I tried. Four times. Oh, no. uh, I was getting further and further away from the solution. And I was getting angrier and angrier with the subjects in front can of I, me. Uh, compounding the, the issue, t- Tim, I arrived what? 15 minutes late, which meant that oh. I was actually also watching the movie at uh, one and a half times speed, which just accelerated. <laughs> Uh, every part of the process, my heart rate was up. Um, I could see a vein throbbing in my sweaty neck in the reflection of the window as I watched myself watching the movie. It was out and out one of the worst cinema going experiences <laughs> I can remember recently. Jesus uh, Christ. And I mean, oh, how the mighty have fallen the whole time. All I could think about was me riding on my high horse through screenings one and kind of two. Uh, I really feel like I'm right back in the mixer now, and it's uh, it's not nice. Akin to Tim turning up at Starbucks full of pep and verve, only to find out she's gone. This That's was right. you with the opportunity to get in the door. <clears throat> Guy, I'm sorry to hear that. Between the four times of you trying the key, was there sort of some cool-off periods? Or had yeah. Are you... I'd yeah. take sort of uh, <laughs> around five five to ten minutes each time to just be like, okay... 
we need to uh, just get out, of, get out of our heads, get out of our bodies. and re- Also thinking that, you know, how long would it be? I don't know how many people live in here. Four apartments, I would say probably 15 to 20 people of floor, four level. I'd say there's like, hold on, 60 people in this building, roughly, mm-hmm. give or take five. I was expecting one of them to show up quite early in the piece. Uh you know, it wasn't until half an hour a very friendly gentleman arrived and looked pretty confused, uh, but happily <laughs> let me in without asking too many questions. Oh, man. What are you going to do about this door, dude? That is a problem for later. Uh, yeah, that's true. Hey, well, if it makes you feel any better, I'm in a situation where I cannot find any way to purchase this movie, so I've been having to rent it each time we do a watch. So I've now rented it for the third time. It's cost me 16 New Zealand dollars. That is incredible. Uh, also, it's really good data for um, for someone. I mean, you can imagine the person on the other end of that uh, movie order looking at their computer and thinking, hmm, Sex in the City, thrice in three weeks. And paying for it. It's not like Netflix where I've got the account and I get on there. I've got to rent this fucking movie every time. It is going to wreak havoc with my algorithms on that particular streaming service. I'm going to get offered up just a hot steaming pile of garbage every time I log on, I expect. It'll be okay, man. Uh, I guess Mm. this would be a nice time to bring some uh, positivity or positive energy to the the record uh tim do you have a shining light this week man i know that this is going to harken back to a long two episodes ago but i was trying to remember the samantha line again i know what bit it is so maybe you could help me with it this time but it's where she's sort of resigned to the fact that the relationship is going to end with smith garrett and the girls are all talking about it um so far so believable she delivers she, it's it's before Carrie says, um, you know, you just compared your relationship to chemo. It's one of the ones just before that, but it's... Oh, is it like before... her making a, cr- a crack? Or is it the earnest comment yeah. where she says, Smith stuck with me through chemo, I, I can stick with him through this? Yeah, yeah. I think it's just before... Man, I should really... You know what? Stay tuned for next time because it's going to be... It's gonna be Am I reveal. to believe that this line, which is purportedly your shining light, is so memorable, your brain literally cannot control itself and file the information away for later use? Mate, my brain is impervious to times, good or bad. I've got a memory like a sieve. But I do remember each time watching it and there's just a certain delivery with it, a certain je ne sais quoi that I um, I really enjoy. But I feel like I, I should pick a shining light that I can remember. The most apt turn of phrase possible is uh, je ne sais quoi. <laughs> yeah, it's perfect, isn't it? <laughs> it truly Literally, is. I don't know what, right? <laughs> yeah. You you tell me your shining light and then I might, I might come back. Uh, I, well, uh, I'm going to bracket... In a bold move, actually, I'm going to bracket two lines together. I think it's from uh, two different characters, but their delivery is similar, and both times I find them to be relatable in the moment. Uh, the first mm-hmm. is after Carrie shows her brandless wedding dress slash suit to uh, Charlotte and Anthony, and uh, the they're sort of monstrosity. Yeah, I can't believe it. Yeah, they're both absolutely appalled by the very idea of it. Uh, however, she says, uh, you know, I'm going to merchandise it up, start up with some shoes. And it's just a very casual sort of offhanded delivery. Uh, it's yeah. really nice. It's um, It shows someone who is inhabiting their character. I wouldn't be surprised to hear that some, if not all, of the line is improvised. Uh I really liked it this week. And I've enjoyed it previously, but this week I was like, that is tasty. And then uh, later on, when uh, Carrie gifts St. Louise uh, her own Louis or Louise Vuitton handbag, uh, Louise does a very funny little performance where she sort of, like, you know, uh, mocks up her carrying it around with a slightly haughty toity <laughs> air. And she says, yeah. oh, look who's home from the big city. <laughs> and uh, I just love that little show. And th- those those moments, uh, they're similar to me, you know. And that there's, there's a vulnerability to them and a playfulness. Uh, it, it suggests real intimacy between the friends, as opposed to like the sort of scripted patter that we live through. How would you describe that 
move that she does with the bear because I first of all both great choices guy can I commend you on both of those moments in the movie they are I think of a type um and I'm right there with you with the shoe one that's bloody great the act out with the little bag I could take or leave but I understand where you're coming from um, yeah it is a, a, I could hear you giggling fun. along at the memory of the little performance ah oh, yeah because it's so vivid um how would you describe that that sort of the move of hanging a bag on your finger but you kind of have your elbow out and you're sort of holding it backwards to indicate uh, sort of a, a poshness it's, or a highfalutin nature yeah I, I don't know what the word is but it's it honestly it's a lot of fun and uh it's something that i if i'm carrying a, a handbag for whatever reason it's certainly yeah. a, a role that i always keenly inhabit uh if only for yeah. a moment just because you know it's the first thing you want to do when you i guess if you're not and this is similar to uh, St. Louise's characterization. She's she's carried her rented handbags before, but never her own Louis Vuitton. And uh, it's sort of, it's almost like uh, you're you're mocking the idea of someone who actually owns it or uses it, uh, but with with love. It's I don't I don't know how to describe it really. Yeah, no, it's a playful moment, and it was a good choice. It's good you remembered it vividly. Um, you didn't give just the general shape of the scene and then sort of take a stare. But what I can't believe you have the gall to do that in the first place and then (laughs) to re-articulate exactly what you've done further. Yeah. Well, I've got to learn my lesson. And sometimes self-punishment is the best lesson. Ain't that the truth? Uh, Now, conversely, there was a moment where I found one of the characters' behavior uh, pretty disgraceful. Um, and it's it's one I'd like to talk to you about because I think it will have a certain relevance to your upcoming life. When mm. uh, the friends very generously and accommodatingly join Carrie on her what is supposed to be a honeymoon in Mexico, uh, and they go out for a a meal in the hotel restaurant for the first time after Carrie sort of uh, processed the moping part of her grief. Um, yes. They're all sort of having a good time and they're loosening up and they're starting to feel themselves. And then there's a a, a couple who are, uh, I mean, I think Samantha says, oh, we're all on holiday. And Carrie says, it's supposed to be my honey. Uh, well, it's actually my honeymoon. And then yeah. uh, Miranda says, I think it's their honeymoon. And the camera pans. Oh, no, no, no. no. Hold, hold on for a second. It's a, little, it's a little better than that because they say we're on holiday. And then Carrie says, actually, I think we're on my honeymoon. And then I think it's, not Miranda, is it Samantha, who says, actually, I think we're on their honeymoon. So that's kind of funny that they're on their honeymoon, the strangers. I thought, yeah, I mean, I, I, I don't mind that line. I think, that, I don't know, I've, I've been associating with Miranda because she has a follow-up line as well. Uh, and this yeah. is the line that I take issue with is she says, uh, she like heckles. The, they're really into each other. They're going a little, they're giving it what for in the in the hotel restaurant. And it is frankly a little bit too much. Um, you they're smooching pretty aggressively. There's like a body mm. on top of a body as well. But uh, mm. Miranda says, yeah, it's all like you're all over each other in the first three months. Uh, and then something even more aggressive, like, but what? where are you in three years or something? Just like a mm. really aggressive heckle to a couple who have and want nothing to do with her. Uh, <laughs> I mean, yeah. it doesn't matter how upset you are. You don't fucking wade into someone else like the happiest, you know, holiday of two yeah. people's lives and dump your emotional baggage at their feet like that that would really stain their evening and You're absolutely right uh you know as a as a man who is i understand about to go on his own honeymoon with your beautiful wife how would yeah. you feel you know to come across a jaded uh jilted you know hurt uh hurt party who just heckles yeah. you well, I, I do need to preface this by saying that I think both Zoe and I have a little more decorum than to just be sort of dry humping at a fine restaurant. However, That's true. Which does decrease the said, likelihood of the heckle. Yeah, but which I think is what the movie's trying to get at, is like this is so beyond the pale of being socially acceptable that it warrants this. But, um, but I'm with you, guy. They can still get fucked. Um, no one's forcing you to look in that general direction. I don't enjoy going out and seeing huge public displays of affection. Makes me uncomfortable. Don't know why. No, uncomfortable is the wrong word. I'm just like, oh, come on. Bloody hell. Yeah. But that's fine. I'm not going to bloody make it their issue. It's my issue. My is issue. It true, 
You make Zoe wear gloves when you go out in public? 24-7. It's a weird one. As soon as we leave the house. (laughs) Mm. We've all got our little foibles. Hey, I remembered one um, thing that I'd like to sub in as my shining light, though, because it genuinely is an amazing moment. Oh, by Uh, all means. Which has led to something which may come back to bite me later on today, because I I wanted to hear what you had to say, so I wrote down one word on my hand, and uh, it's in firm ink um anyway the moment is they're at fashion week and they're just walking out of proceedings all four gals hanging out and samantha has donned a beautiful white fluffy coat i'm not sure what animal uh generously gave its life to bring her that piece of fashion (laughs) but she's wearing it which is and of course is how the fur industry works animals volunteer themselves so then oh, we please outside. take my coat. It's ever so warm. <laughs> we come outside and there's some presumably Peter uh, activists shouting. Two women in particular <laughs> screaming, um, fur is murder, fur is murder. And there's there's one woman at the front, one woman just behind her, the woman <laughs> behind her just, just screams, <laughs> she does it a couple times like a goddamn parrot um, with so much venom, so much venom on her, on her face. It reminds me, actually, of this. It's it's not the same. <laughs> I'll grant you it's not the same. There's this historic photo that I've seen come up a couple times online, and I think it's um, uh, when they were just starting to break down segregation. So it would have been just in the United States when um, Brown versus the Board of Education was passed by the Supreme Court, breaking down segregated schools. And there's the first African-American students going to the school in the South. I've got a funny feeling it might be Arkansas. It might even be Little Rock. And um, Little Rock the, is in it, us, Arkansas. It could be both. Hey, it could be. Yeah. Um, and there's this very kind of like demure and, well, demure is probably the wrong word, but like um, together with it, just keeping your head held high, African-American woman who's walking in, uh, who's the student, and this um, white student behind her, this this other young, like, I don't know, 16-year-old girl, woman, who's just screaming, and there's just such like anger and pain in her mouth, and that's... <laughs> That is the face that I saw on that woman. They also spill um, a whole bunch of red dye on Samantha's coat and uh, and, and scream murder at her. And actually, one of the, um, the... Another shining light. Samantha responds to the situation of just having this coat stained because she's been spending so much time in the West Coast in Los Angeles that she's been away from all of this kerfuffle of New York and its messy social interactions. And she said, God, I miss New York. Yeah. How good is that? Just takes it on your chin. Anyway, I've written the word murder down on my hand now, and I don't think it's going to wash off too easy. So um, maybe I'll keep my hands in my pockets. Wow, well worth it. Uh, Well remembered. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number smart beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number limited edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. This episode is sponsored by BetterHelp. Now, Tim, you know I'm a huge advocate for hiring an objective professional, licensed professional to tell my problems to so that when they tell me what they think, I know I'm getting it straight. That's where BetterHelp comes in. 
That's right, BetterHelp have a big pile of professionals to talk to at your convenience online. You've done a bit of therapy, right, Guy? I started doing therapy during, uh, there was a pandemic, I don't know if you remember, and the benefits were immediate and long-lasting. They help give you skills that you can use when you are in stressful or anxious situations. Honestly, it's changed my life for the better. I guess that's why they call it BetterHelp. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com slash all time today to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash all time. And certainly, um, you know, something to bear in mind for future attempts to remember plot details. But uh, I couldn't agree more. She makes me laugh when she yells out murder. Uh, it's a <laughs> it's a commendable extra performance. Again, I feel like we're treating in similar territory. Oh no, actually, I, I was going to equate this to when uh, in previous seasons you described us as uh, like prisoners of war. Uh, yeah. I mean, who's to, who's to say who that extra was channeling in her performance? Uh, and if she dug that deep back to you know Little Rock, Arkansas, I mean, all power to her um, for for channeling such a, a powerful moment. Um, mm. I mean, per- perhaps you know she's a she's a life a lifetime activist, and she does feel uh, you know as passionate about um, you know fur being murder as anyone's felt about anything before. Who's to say the acting is so good that's not outside the realm of possibility? Uh, I don't even know if the acting's good; it's just strong. There's a difference between good and strong. You can have a a, a strong coffee that isn't necessarily good. And that's how I would um, rate this woman's sort of performance in the film. But she's given it a lot. Real yeah. 11 out of 10 for effort. But you, you think there's a reason that she's not given uh, the, the bulkier murder lines. She's only given the word to echo back twice or thrice. That's, that's what I think. And every time I see it, it's something to do with the wardrobe choices they've made for the character as well. But I cannot not see a ardent Bernie Sanders supporter in that woman as well. Like, potentially, she's actually from the state of vermont she's she's like a roadie she's been following him around everywhere this woman's got a real backstory i think um which i look keenly forward to digging into in subsequent episodes however today i'd like to bring up um something that i messaged you guy and that is about young brady um now there's a moment which could be treated as just a throwaway moment um in recognition of the fact that most kids are into batman but if the timeline stacks up, this is before Lego Batman, which had a real resurgence of the brand, especially a young, among uh, younger participants, um, buyers of toys. Brady can't leave the house after Miranda and Steve break up without finding his Batman action figure first. And it got me thinking, Batman, he must be such an important figure in Brady's life because how did Batman become Batman? because his parents were taken away from him. And in a, not not the same, but similar sort of a fashion, Brady is experiencing a situation where his his parents are splitting up. So there is a sense of loss associated with his parents as well, and that their relationship is being taken away from him. And I thought, gee, gee willikers, I wonder um, if this is something. And, you know, they don't have a lot of bats in, in New York City to be able to channel that uh, sort of angst into, like Bruce Wayne did, but what they do have is a lot of rats. So I feel like this movie is the origin story of Brady the Rat King. And not only that, but I think we're actually seeing one of the formative moments in the young man's life uh, are we, before are, he are, descends to the sewers. Are we to believe that in the same way as Bruce Wayne uh, has a fear of bats from his experience in that cave, uh, that Brady might have developed a fear of rats maybe when running away from home, upset, uh, he comes up across them in quite a scary setting, and then he, he discovers that if he wants to, uh, you know, overcome this challenge and find himself and help get his parents back together, he's got to uh, he's got to stop being afraid of rats, and in doing so, realizes his power. Is this what I'm to believe? That is absolutely what you are to believe. This is what's happened. It's. I mean, it's hard to argue disputable. with. I recently entertained a theory, which uh, it's almost embarrassing to bring up now, uh, outside of watching Sex in the City, that New York City is in fact a one-rat town, uh, and it's it's a busy rat, is what it is. Oh, there's there's just one rat. There's one York. rat. 
who is uh, working overtime to sort of, and this could hold true, um, working overtime to maintain the idea uh, and keep um, you know imprinting the idea that New York City is uh, rampant with rats. It's in fact one overworked, very busy rat. And if you ever see two rats or more in New York City, uh, that's just one of the country rats visiting the... It's a tourist, yeah. I see. Do, I mean, I, I don't know if I would believe one rat in New York City, but how few rats do you think they could have got away with to keep this ruse up of pretending that it's like a, a full infestation? I'm telling you, rats you know, minimum? You, I reckon you can do it with one. Sometimes I'll get on the train, you know, in Manhattan. I'll see a rat on the line. I'll get off the train. I'll be at a different train station. I'll see the same rat. Hmm. Definitely the same rat, you reckon? Yeah, I reckon almost definitely the same rat. Busy rat. Very busy rat. But either way, one rat, a hundred rats, a thousand rats, ten thousand rats, one hundred thousand rats, one million rats. You got to come in the way Brady uh, has has learned to communicate with them, to take control of them uh, as individuals on mass. And if it is one rat. And look, mm. you know, there's no way to confirm or, or or dispel the myth that it might be. The fact that they've they've whipped the city into such a frenzy, they've created the illusion of many rats. Is that not just the same thing as many rats in the first place? Um, well, no, but only for the reason that there's stuff happening involving the rats while they're out of sight. Presumably, like gnawing through walls or wire work or food or what have you, you know? Well, it's if, just, if it, there were it's... no effects that were visible um, once the rats were out of sight, then I guess it would, uh, I guess, be infinitely plausible that there's only one rat. But there seems to be some, some things that are happening behind the scenes. One public-facing rat, maybe. I just think the rent's expensive. I you get, love you get gr- this. You get ground one, down. Yeah. <laughs> One, yeah, one a, okay. We've got one handsome rat who has the confidence to strut its stuff out in public, but a, a you know, maybe other, 60, 70 other rats behind yeah, the scenes. Who knows? Upstate building stuff, uh, developing modes of communication, uh, mm. you know, just just working on programs that are better suited to uh, larger, larger areas, less prying eyes, um, this makes a lot of sense to me because we're constantly doing medical experiments on rats because their biology is, uh, or maybe it's their genetics, is very similar to humans. And if you think about it, when we form a collective, when we get an organization, there's a lot of people doing stuff behind the scenes. And then we have sort of one spokesperson or spokes rat that we send out to communicate with the public. So this this feels right to me. Um, I think you're a very smart man for figuring this out, Guy. Hey, I appreciate the compliment. The and moreover... Tim, today, as I was walking around the island of Manhattan, I came across what can only be described as some pretty powerful anti-rat propaganda on oh, yeah. a rubbish bin uh, on which they've sort of printed a a, a, a wrap that looks like you know bricks, like a, a street. Um, they've written in, in clear white letters the words, let's make NYC clean and rat free. Oh, whoa, hey. I've got Guess the picture what, right here. I can send it to you. The rats were here before you were, all right? Hey, look, I didn't print the I didn't print the goddamn propaganda. Yeah. This isn't for you. This is this is me yelling into the ether hoping that um some publishers of this horrible material will hear it. Something I've always had a fondness a for rats, guy. Oh. Always wanted one as a pet. They're good creatures. Are they intelligent? Yeah, they are, I think. Pretty, they seem my, pretty smart. My first and main memories of rats, uh, or a rat, was, of course, the rat from Bananas and Pajamas. I oh, yes. I think quite benevolent, but also um, an opportunist, would always be sort of hatching these harebrained schemes. And every time the Bananas or any of the three bears, what an unlikely group of friends... Uh, would sort of be suspect about the rat, he'd say, Trust me, I'm a rat. And uh, in a way, that just where makes I was always... me want to not trust him. 
Yeah, that's exactly right. Whenever he said it like that, I was always like, I don't know. It feels like you're overselling it. If I, if you want us to trust you, you'd you'd be a little bit more casual about this. <laughs> yeah, definitely. I don't know what my first exposure to a rat was. I think there was at least like someone, a childhood friend, or maybe in the classroom, there was a pet domesticated rat somewhere along the way. Um, but I've yeah, I've always had a keen fond. I got to get a rat, man. This is the same thing that we do with rats as what we do with rabbits. We consider them pests, but no one kind of flips that on its head and considers that they just really love having kids. They're just good parents, you know. Because to sustain those big families that they build, they got to get food. Got to come right. from somewhere. We appear to have far too much of the stuff. I mean, God, if, if you, I was a rat you, walking yeah. around, I'd be like, Jesus, these guys are pretty big, and their cupboards are pretty full. I don't think they're going to mind. And if Absolutely. we were decent, maybe we wouldn't. Or, you know, if you're a rabbit and you're living out in your house uh, and someone bloody, you know, comes over to your property, plants a lovely big lettuce there, I mean, who's, mm. whose lettuce is that? You don't even know how to plant a lettuce. All you know is that, you know, from heaven on high, someone's laid down a lovely feast for you. What do you Rabbits mean to don't do? don't even have a... They don't even have this tainted sense of ownership of stuff that we have. It's just there's something there. Anyone else going to? No? Cool. I'll nip in. Done. Easy. It is as easy Each as that. according to their needs. Oh, I can't remember how communism works, actually. I, d- I jumped in the <laughs> pool, but I didn't have my swimmers on. Uh, it's okay. Swim around naked. Tell us your version of communism right now. <laughs> Each according to their needs and abilities. Uh, uh, take take what you want. That's a good end. Take what you want. That feels like one of the main tenets of communism. I think it is. Take what you need and give what you can. Oh, there we go. That's a good. That's a good tagline for pay it forward. What was it? Uh no, I don't know. It Do you seems think unlikely. pay it forward with? Haley Joel Osmond was actually communist propaganda hiding in plain sight. Who's to say? Was that uh, Costner or Spacey? Ah, it was Spacey. Dang it. Another one. Chalk it off. Yeah. That's off limits. It's off the list. Um, uh, I didn't mind the watch this week, guy. I just oh, want to right. take a bit of a more Fucking bird's eye on. view on it. Yeah, come on down. Tell me about it. Well, it was early morning again. We've fallen into something of a rhythm now. So this is just um, how I start the day, about one in every three mornings at the moment, which is interesting. And I think it's a far better way of approaching the project than what you had in store by having this grey spectre of a watch hanging over your whole day. I like the fact that I wake up. It's like going for a run, which I can't do anymore because I gave myself a runner's knee. But you just get up, you don't think about it, you just do it. You just jump in, you get into the movie, don't think. And I'm still in bed, so I'm kind of waking up as this movie's playing down. But I feel like I'm getting something done. So it's all right by me. And the movie is nowhere near as bad as Sex in the City 2. Let me put that in stone right now. Um, Far better film, a lot more fun, a lot more story. Everyone's enjoying themselves. I'm in, I'm inclined to agree that I mean, but saying it's better than Sex in the City two is like saying having dinner is better than not having dinner. Mm, not the perfect analogy, but I see what you get, what you're driving at. Of course it is. I mean, I and I look. I know that I came at this movie from a bad angle today. I was looking at it funny. It was looking at me funny. But yeah, it, it's two. It's still two and a half hours. And at the end of the day, what's changed? In the world of these characters, what have they learned? I mean, what is what has tangibly changed for these people? Because as far as I can see, Tim, Charlotte's had a had a daughter. Charlotte and Runkle have a kid. Fantastic, very happy for them. Big and Carrie got married. I mean, like it, it's a lot of treading water. There's no Carrie. One it's of the not major no, could, one of the major plot points for wrong. Carrie, Tim. She sells and rebuys her own apartment throughout the movie. How is that plot? There's literally no change. It's like The Hobbit. This is the hero's journey. 
you start off with something and then you want to get somewhere and then you have to make a personal sacrifice and then you round off having learned a lesson but arriving home so what's happening with carrie she she wants a <laughs> actually what she wants is tangible stuff she wants a big ass apartment <laughs> so she goes and tries to get one and then she discovers that what she actually wants is a bit of security with this apartment as well <laughs> which leads her to <laughs> get married you know when you lay it out like this the the capitalism in this film is even worse than i first thought the real driver for our main protagonist in this film is the fact that she would like a large penthouse new york city apartment and the only way to make sure you can lock that down without fear of it being taken away from you suddenly in the night is to marry the guy who paid for it so look she does it the personal sacrifice is a little bit of her own personal freedom. This is a woman who identifies as a strong, independent woman. She's she's lived and breathed in New York City, and that entails certain sexual escapades and adventures that you go on. It's part of who she is. It's part of her chocolatey inner being. That's a Aquatine Hunger Force thing. So she goes out. She sacrifices that for the marriage. She puts herself out there. Big fucks it up by not wanting to put himself out there. He can't sacrifice the sort of emotional security of not putting himself out there for a third marriage and his fear, or maybe fourth actually, in fear of screwing that up. And and then they, they work it out and she arrives home. Uh, having learned that sometimes you don't have to get married, you can just play the ball as it comes. Does that make but any then, sense? Then they do get married. You're not wrong. And then in the next movie, like... <laughs> these people are it's your classic I mean it's fine in real life but this is a movie this is a constructed reality anything can happen these the only drive for plot is capitalism or like you know these people have so much money and time on their hands they can create problems for themselves yeah the time time is such a good one in this because I keep thinking here are four professional women although um, Charlotte does she work? I don't think she works no 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 she doesn't work in this movie Three professional women who are just taking, like, four days, four full days off. Miranda, you'd bloody hear about it, wouldn't you? And you kind of do. First, they go to Mexico. So that's for about a week, I think. But then after that, they come back to sort out Carrie's apartment. And that's just a full-time job for all of them for another week. It's insanity. That's, that's before, like, I remember, that's, I actually felt bad for Steve this week. You know, Miranda doesn't have time to... to uh, you know, let Magda finish her meal when the family and Magda go out for dinner. But then, oh, you know... we got to talk about that, by the way. Not one day later, she's got mm. ample time to just go for, what, four consecutive days and help Carrie pack down her apartment? Yeah. It's, uh, you know, it's... It's a lot. You've got She's got no time to root, but she's got time to pack with her friend for four days? you got to... I mean, you know, friends... Before, I, understand, I, understand, I don't know. You know, I'm not married. I don't have a child. Um, I don't know anything about that work-life balance that, you know, is so difficult to, to, to get right for anyone. I think, you know, the challenge is especially on women. But, you know, what do you expect Steve to do? And I'm not siding with the cheater. But I tell you what, did I get goosebumps for a third time when Miranda and Steve were reunited on Brooklyn Bridge this week, Tim? You bet your fucking bottom dollar I did. And it was mostly for Steve. That lovable little face. He was absolutely over the moon. He loves the shit out of this woman. And he knows he made a he mistake. Does. Steve's good, man. He he fucked up. And that, you know. But he owns it. Pay credence to he, that. He, he owns he the problem up. and tries to make amends, you know, in the most yeah. mature way of anyone in this movie. Miranda, yeah, who's, and as is pointed out to her, chastises Steve for fucking up, owning up, and then apologizing for it. You know, does a lesser less uh, direct version of all three of those things. She fucks up. She can't get the word across to Carrie. She never finds the right moment. And then, as I, Carrie rightly I, says, begs for her forgiveness after three days when she can't even talk to Steve after six months. i got a question for you. <clears throat> the moment just before the bridge moment, which gives you goosebumps every time, uh, Miranda is furiously jotting down in a notebook the pros and cons of their marriage and wider relationship to try and establish whether or not she wants to give this another go. Because the arrangement is, if it's on, they're going to meet at the Brooklyn Bridge at a predetermined time 
and uh, and put all of it behind them and sort of start anew. That's what the um, marriage counsellor said for them to do. What triggers her final decision seemingly in the film after jotting down all the pros and cons is she takes a sip of her coffee, catches herself in the mirror, and she's got a milk moustache, which she has at the start of the film in a nice kind of book ending, and Steve points it out to her and she blows up about him being super critical of her all the time. So, my question to you, Guy Montgomery, is were that coffee not to give her a milk moustache? Were it, dare I say, almond milk, which does not fluff up very good, as I've just learned, and she didn't get that stash and didn't catch herself in the mirror and was reminded of that moment, do you think that she would have thrown the whole thing away? Do you think uh, cow's milk is what saved this relationship? Look, I think it's just a nice little button. I feel like that was sort of... I felt like she had, as Carrie would say, uh, log- logically made her decision. Uh, but I don't know that... Why would like, Carrie she, say that? Is she's she a big said, fan of the word logically. No, beforehand, she, yeah, she says, Miranda, you're a lawyer. You can argue both sides of any case, but you're going to need to make this decision oh, based on emotion, not logic or something of the like. Uh, yeah, and so right, I think right. I think she's persuaded herself with her list. Um, I, have a, I have a few of the pros and cons that she lays out for Steve in front of me, if you'd like to hear them, Tim. I would. Uh, do you want a pro or a con? Pro, please. Uh He's a good father. It's the first pro. It's top of the list of pros. A con is yes. his affair. That's regarded as a con. Right. Yeah, it's, yep, it's fair. What else? What's a, another pro? Uh, he's sweet. But on the flip oh, side of that, he's also sneaky. Oh, sneaky. Like a rat. Pro, he's got mere in him. Yeah, yeah, he's, he's, he's mere. Me- is uh, mayoral candidate stuff. Under cons, she's written breath, open parenthesis, occasionally, close parenthesis. She's written down watches cartoons before crossing that out and realizing maybe that's not so, so much of a con. Uh, she doesn't <laughs> like... Cartoon. He's uncomfortable at work functions. Uh, he's got no- nose hair is on her list of cons. There's nose hair. Can you believe it? With due respect, this film goes uh, takes pains to point out the fact that Miranda's growing um, her pubic hair out and all the girls chastise her for it. So, you know, yeah. he without sin. That's right. Uh, but no, uh, by and large, I think she's gone through this list and uh, made the decision logically, then she has a sort of a... You know, she feels good about it. She has a sip of her coffee. She's like, okay, I'm going to go and meet the man I love. Looks up in the mirror and uh, a sign from the universe that this is truly meant to be. Uh, she smiles back at herself and away they go. And I'm I'm telling you, man, goosebumps every time. This is cinema <laughs> at its finest. Do you also, like Miranda? I remember uh, after a pretty long year of my life feeling like she was the only one with a shred of uh, dignity. In yeah. my previous experimentation, uh, I do like her. Yeah, I th- I think uh, she she's not she doesn't cover cover herself in glory. I mean, quite so much in this film. And the the bar's a little bit higher, I think, from other characters in terms of their basic human decency. I do like Miranda, yeah. though. In short, yes. Um, yeah, hey, guy. Yeah, me too, man. Hey, happy to hear I, it. I also like Miranda. I think she's she's right. She can't, you know. She can be, she can be a little obtuse and serious sometimes, but she's Actually, driven. It's and two you know, sides of the same coin. Do you know how I know I like her when they do that? Uh, the war, the the wardrobe montage when they're trying on all the clothes to in excess or something. Walk this way. Mm-hmm. Which, by the way, right. I was still watching at one and a half speed today, and uh, it was <laughs> one of the lowlights. Um, I love when she has, they they get they when she first comes out wearing the costume she's the first one who's not carried to be trying on these old sort of you know fashion items presumably from the show I mean it seems like a pretty easy layup for the the movie to like you know dole out some fan service by you know uh, walking back some of Carrie's famous costumes when she comes through that wardrobe door you know having a bit of fun herself my heart swells for her because she is often characterised as the least fun of the four gals and so to see them uh, the writers throw her a bone and say, here, here you go, have a bit of fun with this. And to see the way that uh, she relishes that, 
I like it. And how I respond to that, it's a greater reaction than when any of the other gals get a turn. That tells me I am I am a Miranda fan. <laughs> Fantastic. That's good. I think that's good. It's good for her. It's good for you. It's good hey, for I all just, of us. I just realized time's, time's getting on here, man. Have you got anything else you want to uh, clear off your Mate, list today? Put a bow on it because otherwise we're just going to bleed ourselves dry. We've got another 49 watches of this thing to go all going to plan. I see no reason why it wouldn't, Tim. I love this movie. It's a joy to be back in the saddle. I mean, I tell you what, though. Today was long, uh, and there you were did moments... well. I appreciate it, and I appreciate the effort that you went to, Guy. That's um, it's bloody good of you. But, you know, rules are rules. You're going to have to, at some point in the not-too-distant, make this up with a uh, 75% speed, I think, if the math is... Oh. Is it 50% or 75 You're going to have to make up the work. I let you. I let it slide when you said you dozed a little bit last week. I didn't. I didn't hang. I didn't hold it over you. I didn't say anything. And then I, you know, I come in here with honesty, with virtue, yeah. integrity. Yeah. yeah. And you turn it back on me. <laughs> I mean, you know, I respect. I respect what you're doing in the name of the project, but I also hate the yeah. shit out of you for that sort of carry on. That's fair. Um, it's all. It's fair all round. I'm. Uh, I'm glad you brought that up. And I will, it was actually, I was asleep for a, a little bit longer than I first suspected based on this watch. I was like, oh yeah, I did, I did miss more than 10 minutes. So what I will be doing is self-flagellating with um, just a little solo watch of the first 30 minutes of the film, which I'll try and tuck away um, within the next 48 hours, just for, just for old Timbo. Incredible. Well, you know, what's the point in doing this if we're not going to do it right? You know, there isn't but- any. Be the change you want to see in the world. This is it. All right, Guy. Um, pleasure to uh, to have a chat to you. Uh, a little less of a pleasure to see the movie again, but, you know, rules are rules. It was also a, a pleasure to, to chat with you, uh, Tim Bat, truly a man who finally got carried away. We just have a good rhythm together, you know. Like he sort of feels me out, I feel him out, and uh, we go for it. 